It was a very cruel scene. Executed in an unusual Hey, Cruel Coven. Hey, blood-curdling creeps. Welcome to Cruel and Unusual, the podcast. I'm Tori. I'm Katie. And it's week number... I don't know what week number it is. I don't even know what day it is, but we're in fucking spooky season, guys. How the fuck are you? Scary thunderclap. And then the organ. (laughs) And the little ballerina dancer. Yeah. Every creepy cliche we can think yeah. of. Wow. We've, um, um, we have a lot of new listeners lately. We do have a lot yeah. of new. We, we, this past week, we surpassed our goal that yeah. we had for ourselves. We set a goal and we, we passed it. <sighs> it was so. for a number of listens in a day and we fucking did it. We and it's really it. actually... Thanks we didn't really guys. do anything besides sit here and bullshit. Yeah. But you guys have and been spend sharing. hours on research. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> I think we fucking did a lot. Thank you very much. But right. it's also thanks to you guys because you guys share, you guys talk about it, you guys post on social yes. media, and we fucking love you for that. We love you. And to all of, if you're new here, I thought we were going to say, and to all a good night, we're fucking done. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> we're done. We are not Turn it coming off. back. But to all of our new listeners, welcome to... The shit show. The world's okayest podcast. Okayest. Where we talk about true crime and creepy shit. All the because time. Because why limit your interests to just one thing? Honestly. First off, we want to thank our Patreon listeners because I think that at the beginning of every episode, we should just be like, hey, thank you. We appreciate you. We do. So I'm just going to say their names real quick. So in no particular order, thank you, Katie. Katie. <laughs> we have two Katie's. Juan, thank you, Juan. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you, my love, Chastity. Thank you, my boo, Autumn. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you, Tara. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Angela. Thank you, Chloe Rose. And thank you, Cat Motherfucking Savage. We love you guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being weird. Thank you, Katie, for responding to the bloopers with Pumpkin Fucker. What was it? <laughs> the No, it was the episode oh the actual episode you guys i don't know those of you who aren't patreons might not know but we're posting one exclusive episode every week during october and we asked you guys to comment down below if you heard it the password yeah the password yeah the secret code and i think katie had already done it by like 605 i love and it went up at six i love that and we fucking love her (laughs) um i was trying to oh i also wanted to shout out d because she bought my book sinners retreat she bought a a signed copy yeah thank you d i love you i hope that you enjoy the book it was my first book i ever wrote Mm -hmm. so i cannot make any promises (laughs) (laughs) but it's very creepy it's perfect for this time of year yeah and angela too she buys all of our books angela i just sent angela blurred lines a couple of weeks ago and i have not heard so i don't know if that's really bad or she just hasn't (laughs) had time to get to it and i just sent chastity according to plan yeah so you guys we have so many podcast listeners that are also book buyers Mm -hmm. and we just fucking love you guys so much oh and autumn autumn i think has bought every single one of our books Mm -hmm. thank you autumn if you've bought a book of ours yell at me in the group do we have some headlines? I have something for you. Shit's an egg. 
<laughs> do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Doesn't matter. Okay. My headline is old, but it's a good one. All right. It's from thelineup.com. Okay. And it says, quote, you can now buy New York's horrific and haunted Crusher Mansion, Ooh. end quote. Isn't that just spooky? How much is it? I also just totally butchered Crusher. It's probably like Crusher or Cresol. something. It's Crusher Mansion. Can we afford Mansion. it? No. Okay. We would need like five million <laughs> more Patreon listeners and like a million or two more downloads. Guys, help us buy a mansion and we can just all move in there and be oh, a and big social old distance. creepy family. Sadly, it's now off the market, but I just like... Oh. The, it'll be back on Crush the market. Crush my dreams, why don't it'll you? It'll be back on the market once the ghosts come out. So the article says, quote, Hidden away on Staten Island, a ferry ride away from Manhattan, sits a Cresshire mansion. I say that word different every time. It's fine. This home has a very morbid history. Hmm. And at least one ghost to its name. Now, you could be the proud owner of this historically haunted dwelling. The Crusher Mansion was built by Balthazar Crusher for his son, Edward. <laughs> Edward's easy. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. I, there's so many hard words in here. <laughs> so it was built by Balthazar in 1885. And, quote, after living seemingly happily in the house for nine years, Edward shot himself. Oh, Edward. Mm-hmm. Ed. Reports vary as to the cause, but either Edward had fought with his brother, Charles, or he was left distraught after the Crushire's brick factory burned to the ground. Damn. Mm-hmm. That's sad. That is sad. Regardless, Edward's ghost is reportedly still hovering around to this day. This was a quite the writer. Yeah. They were really looking up synonyms as they were They typing. really were. Or they went to college. Either way. Others say that his widow, left alone in the wake of Edward's suicide, is the one haunting the premises, searching for her husband. Oh, it's her. Mm. It's not even Eddie. Wow. The property changed hands throughout the 20th century, but by the early 2000s, a former Marine named Joseph Joe Black Young was hired to watch over the Crushire until it sold again. Unfortunately, Young had connections to a prominent crime family, and when they asked him to quote-unquote take care of some business in mm. 2005. You know what that means. He happily obliged. Mm. Young brought the target, Robert McKelvey, to the mansion where he attempted to strangle the man. Unsuccessful with that method, Young instead <laughs> drowned him in a decorative pond in the yard. A decorative mm-hmm. pond. And then he chopped up the body and tossed the pieces into the furnace. Wow. Honestly, that's pretty shitty. That's a bit much. Mm-hmm. After all of that, there's got to be some bad spirits hanging around. I mean... But... If that's what you look for in a home, you're in luck because you can purchase the Crushire Mansion located on the aptly named Arthur Kill Road Ooh. for a mere $2 million. And then it talks about how you can check out the listing, mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. I wish, I'm sure it will be for sale again because it's either probably cursed. They'll just be afraid and they'll have to leave. Right. So if we want to live in New York or Staten Island or wherever the fuck this is, <laughs> then we can buy it. We'll just have to keep keep our eyes on the listing. We just got to save our pennies, guys. Mm-hmm. We can do it. We can do it. Okay, my headline is from NBCChicago.com. Oh, okay. And this is from 2011. The title is Woman Killed Over Halloween Candy. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Quote, a man became so enraged over a missing bag of Halloween candy that he plunged a knife into a woman multiple times, according to police. Go fuck yourself. He was arrested in the Halloween night stabbing, and charges are expected to be upgraded after she died Saturday night. Maria Adams, 49, was stabbed multiple times at 7150 South Winchester Avenue, on Halloween, according to the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office. Her acquaintance, Liddell Peoples, 55, of the Winchester address, was arrested shortly after the stabbing on Halloween. He's accused of attacking Adams and was charged with attempted murder and aggravated domestic battery, according to Police News Affairs Officer John Mirabelli. The fight stemmed from a missing bag of candy. At some point during brawl, a plate was thrown and Peoples suffered a cut over his eye, said the officer. The fight continued to escalate until people stabbed Adams, police said. He was booked into Cook County Jail Thursday, where a judge ordered him held on $2 million bond. Isn't that? I fucking hate that. Halloween candy. Stupid. It's stupid. You don't deserve your life taken over. Goddamn candy. Fucking loser. I wonder where he is now. I hope that he's still in there. I know. I should have looked sure it up, but not, I didn't. But I, I hope that he fucking is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have a QOTDW today. <laughs> you remember the W? Uh huh. QOTDW, and it's from Candace on Instagram. No, on Twitter. Candace oh, Twitter? on Twitter. On Twitter. Hey. On Twitter. She messaged me because I tweet, <laughs> and the question is: If you were home alone in your house and you heard someone with you that wasn't supposed to be there, what would you do? Thanks, Candace, for your question. That's fucking creepy, yeah. and I already have the chills. I'm just thinking. I, for me, it really depends. There's there's a lot of context that yeah, has to go into this. That's what I'm thinking. Like, where am I? Where are they? Let's just say we're okay. We're alone. You're in your house alone with the intruder. Okay. I'm in my house alone with the intruder. That just makes me nervous to say. Yeah. I have a two story house, mm-hmm. so it would largely depend on where I was and when the intru- yeah. where the intruder was. But let's just say. I don't know. I feel like I'm inviting intruders. You're not. It's not real. I would first figure out where my cell phone was. I would then get very quiet. No noise. Mm -hmm. No possibility of them hearing where I am. Okay. More than they already have. Very still. Very stealthy. Very stealthy. Spy-like. And shallow breathing. I would then listen for them, figure out where they are. Where's the footsteps coming from? Where's the, you know, the out of place noise? Mm -hmm. And then once I knew that, I would gently grab the phone and book it. Out that door, out that door, out that door. If I was in here, out that fucking window. I have a lot of escape routes. That's what I'm thinking too. I think my first, my first thought would be to get out. Yeah. You know, run, go. Yeah. I wouldn't be trying to like save anything in here. Right. Just me. Yeah. I'm the most important thing. Right, exactly. It's if I'm I home alone. Yeah. Um, but let's say the intruder was like a forceful one mm-hmm. and they just fucking busted in and charged mm-hmm. at us. Then what? I know. Then what? There's no time. I, I think I would go into fucking demon screaming banshee mode. And I've told you this yeah. a lot of times, but I think that's like... <laughs> Yes, if you yeah. don't have a weapon yeah. or a way to de- to defend yourself, scare the fucking shit. You make that guy <laughs> more afraid of you than you are of him. You act like a complete and total loony too. Yes. And they will be scared. You scream, you show all of your teeth, make your eyes as big as they'll go, and you I'm just, fucking I'm shriek imagining myself doing like it. Like you're like yeah. Not human. I showed you how I would do it when we took our walk that Yes. Time. I literally <laughs> yes. just ran and fucking jumped and put my arms up like this. Yep. Boop, 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 
And then I just did the trunchbull scream. Because they want to act all big and bad, but I'll tell you what. I'll be better. A lot of men are fucking fucking babies. Better and down inside. They'll mm-hmm. be afraid of you. Mm-hmm. They will. And if, like I said, if you have no way out, no way to defend yourself. There's nothing you can what lose What else can from you that? do? Right. Yeah. There's nothing that you can lose Make him from pee that. his pants. Mm-hmm. Make his And wiener, then make him clean it up. Make his, wien- <laughs> make his wiener shrivel up into his body. Do it. You have to. You have to. Yeah. So I think, Candace, that would be how we would do it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you liked it. I really hope that that, that that was, you know, what you were expecting from us. Okay. Do you what, else, what else would you expect? Honestly, on, quite I honest. hope that you don't have too high of expectations <laughs> on this podcast. Um, they know. We're talking about some very ruthless, brutal slayings. Very, very brutal. Mine is like, at least. Well, yeah. yours is, I mean, they're both fucking bad, but yeah. I mean, yours the details we're gonna need yeah. a lot of trigger warnings yeah you don't even know all the details no i only know one i know that was bad enough yeah for me. yeah i had to ask her i'm like there's this one part do i even say it and honestly you guys <sighs> you guys are here because you want to know like the minds of killers yeah and what makes people do the things that they do yeah and we're going to give you all of the details i made a poll on instagram and yeah. nobody said that they didn't want the gory details and entrails. we will so. always make sure if it's something that's like truly offensive and disgusting which this we, is yeah we will <laughs> always make sure that we give you a trigger warning yeah. and we say hey fucking skip ahead 15 30 seconds mm-hmm. if you don't want to hear about this right i'm going second today but go ahead and skip mine if you are yeah. At all sensitive to gore, like ex- an extreme violence. Coven. Kind of funny that we call you Coven because today I am going to be sharing the details of someone who inspired the American horror story Coven season. Mm-hmm. And her name is Marie Delphine McCarty, otherwise known as Marie Delphine LaLaurie. Born Marie Delphine McCarty in March of 1787, young Delphine grew up fairly privileged. Her parents were Louis and Marie, and they were very prominent European Creoles high up in New Orleans society. Marie Delphine's uncle was the governor of two Spanish-American provinces when she was born, and later a cousin would become the mayor of the city of New Orleans. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. At the time of Marie Delphine's childhood, New Orleans and much of the rest of Louisiana were under Spanish control. Mm -hmm. This was from 1763 to 1801. In 1800, she married her first husband, Don Ramon, who was a highly ranked officer in Spain's royal army. As was common for people in their position, they traveled to Spain and its other territories, but Don Ramon fell ill within a few years and died in Havana, leaving Marie Delphine a young widow with a baby. Uh, How old was she? I'm going to get into it. Okay. Marie, which was Marie Delphine's mother, Mm -hmm. had a ton of fucking money and an indigo plantation off of the Mississippi River. Because this is in the time of plantations and slaves Mm. and disgusting, fucking horrifying history. Mm -hmm. So Marie Delphine's mom and dad built this gigantic empire together. And Marie and her brother Louis, so Louis Jr., Mm -hmm. were just living this fucking extravagant life. Her parents threw these big ass grand parties and everyone who was anyone was there. And Marie Delphine's uncle by marriage was murdered by a slave. And I guess I didn't know this, but there was a slave revolt going on for 13 years which was like the primary like time of her growing up 
Okay. So she saw all of this like during this period. Right. That was kind of like her growing up. Right. Was just like during this well, quote unquote slave revolt and then her parents owning slaves. Yeah. And, and her being so privileged. Right. To just be able to party and live this lifestyle right. while this is going on. And who knew who knows it's how gross. her parents treated their oh, slaves. Right, right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'll get into that a little bit more about like some misconceptions right. too. Okay. So Marie Delphine grows up. And she is known as this extravagant, prominent New Orleans Creole socialite. She gets married for the first time to mm-hmm. that Don Ramon guy. And like it said, he was a high-ranking officer at the St. Louis Cathedral in New Orleans. In 1804, Don Ramon was called to appear in Spain, and he didn't ever make it home. Oh, God. Okay, so he ended up dying, and it just wasn't great. And mm-hmm. I'm sure Marie Delphine was upset about it because that was yeah. her husband. Right. And he was actually significantly older than her, not like decades older. Yeah. But he was a little bit older. And the, I mean, it's shitty enough to have your husband die, but Marie Delphine was pregnant at the time with their first baby. Oh, their first baby. Okay. Yeah. So he just died suddenly in Havana. And a few days after his death, she gave birth to their daughter. Wow. A few days after. Yeah. In June of 1808, Marie Delphine married Jean Blanc, and he was essentially like a Frenchman jack of all trades. He inherited $33,000, which is a hell of a lot in today's amount right, of money. Yeah. Um, so he inherited that when he married Marie Delphine from her mom's estate. She and her mom, so the other, the older Marie, mm-hmm. died five weeks before the wedding from natural causes. Oh, wow. There are a lot of myths out there about how her parents died, mm-hmm. and I'm not even going to go into them because those are myths. Yeah. There's records of when they died. They died separate. Okay. So just take that however you want it. Jean Blanc was known to be a merchant and a banker, a lawyer, and a political man. That's why I say jack of all trades. Yeah, damn. Along with money, the couple also inherited the indigo plantation that was her mother's Mm -hmm. 52 slaves an abundance of farm animals and a lot of money which i already said but you get the drift there was a lot of money a fucking shit ton of money a lot um however delphine's father thought that they needed more oh why not yeah fuck off um (laughs) so he gave her another plantation 26 more slaves Mm. just like as a wedding present Oh, my fucking God. Mm -hmm. So they have two gigantic plantations and 78 slaves in total that were accounted for. Jesus. Yeah. They end up having four children together, three girls and a boy. And then they have the girl from the first marriage. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they lived in a townhouse. (laughs) Yeah. Despite having the two plantations. They wanted to be close to the bank that Jean worked at. Okay. He died. Spoiler alert. Yeah, he died as well. So she's two out of two husbands have passed away now. Yeah. Okay. Not a good track record. No, not at all. Now, Delphine is a widow for the second time, and she has five children. Like I said, one from her first marriage and four from Jean Blanc. It was found out that Jean was in debt, like really in debt. Oh, Despite shit. them having all of that money, he was yeah. clearly doing some shit. So I'm not talking like 50 grand or 100 grand or like even 150 grand, even a million. I'm talking $2.5 million in debt. Back then? Yeah. Back then. Whoa. Yeah. Marie Delphine was forced to sell all of his assets and among them being the townhouse that they lived together in. Okay. Marie Delphine would have been pretty fucking worse for wear, but her dad ended up dying in 1804 and she and her brother, obviously they split his estate Mm -hmm. and Marie Delphine was back in good standing and wealthy once again. Wow. Now, Leonard Louis Nicholas LaLaurie was born into a middle-class family in France. I'm switching lanes. I'm switching lanes. We're swerving. Mm Mm-hmm. 
He was studying at the University of Toulouse by the age of 22, and then he decided to ship off to Louisiana in October of 1824 to make a life for himself. He wrote to a newspaper in New Orleans and requested that they write about him. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> wow. Wow. I'm just going to do okay. that. Just please write about me. Write about me. I beg of you. He wanted them to write that a new doctor was coming into New Orleans and that he had a specialty of treating humps. Oh. I'm talking like hump. I guess what a, are the hum- a humpback. The hu- oh. Was like, is that the right terminology? Is that what it meant by humps? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or my lovely lady lumps. <laughs> no, they meant because the. Check it out. They were talking about humpbacks. Okay. And I don't know if that's the correct terminology, but that's what all of the sources said. It's okay. So. So he had went to school. He became a doctor, and he wanted all of New Orleans to know about okay, it. Okay, he wanted like an ad. Uh-huh. So all Marie right. Delphine is 38 at the time. Oh, that's an old woman in those days. In those days, uh-huh. Damn. This is significantly older than Leonard Louis, mm-hmm. which was unheard of at the time. Yeah. Like scandal fucking territory. It was just perfectly acceptable for 50-year-old men to marry 17-year-old women. Right. But God forbid a <laughs> woman marry a young man. Well, it just wasn't done. It just wasn't done. No. And I'm not sticking up for her because she's one of the biggest pieces of trash I've ever looked into, but still, yeah. I'm just saying. Right. Marie Delphine's oldest daughter was only two years younger than Louis and had children of her own at this time. So she was a grandma, too. Anyway, they marry. It's scandalous, but they don't care. Right. They shit. We're rich. Yeah. So they get married in June of 1825 after they have a child together, which is also scandalous as fuck at this time. Now, by this time, Louis's mom had died back in France. He didn't go home to France, which really pissed his dad off. Oh, no. And he didn't write home much either. He just kind of forgot about his family. It's said that Louis was attracted to Marie Delphine's status and not her. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like he was younger. He saw all this money. Mm -hmm. And it was then reported that Marie Delphine just wanted some fucking help with those 50 kids right. you know what i mean like so maybe yeah she was using him for fucking extra hands yeah. and he was using her for the pocket maybe the pocket the pocket the pocket which the pocket one, that pocket. the one and only pocket that you can have when you're marie delphine <laughs> after they get married marie delphine ends up buying property on royal street in new orleans and she had a two-story mansion built on the land it looks a lot different today i think it's like three stories now we'll show a picture she made sure though one of the most important things to her is that there was an attached area that she liked to call her quote-unquote slave quarters. Marie Delphine and Louis threw extra, 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 extra parties, kind of like her parents did. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like they had this like bomb-ass relationship, but all that glitters is not gold, honey, because by 1832, Marie Delphine's third marriage was already on the rocks. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. She petitioned the first judicial district court for a separation from, quote-unquote, bed and board from Louis. Okay. The reason stated was that her husband had, quote-unquote, treated her in such a manner as to render their living together unsupportable. Wow. Mm-hmm. She stated that on the date of October 26th, he had beat her and caused her physical ailments, and this, along with the testaments from two of her children that she had had with Jean Blanc, confirmed her claims against Louis, but the two didn't stay separate for long. Oh. I want to point something out that I found out during my research. Okay. okay. It said, okay. So while we're on the topic of slaves, Mm -hmm. okay, and slave ownership in the 17 and 1800s, there were a lot of sources that were saying that, you know, these white women who were slave owners' wives were very nice to the slaves that they owned. They kind of thought of them as equals because they also weren't as good as their husbands. So they kind of just like bonded with the slaves and like were just like motherly figures to these slaves. 
And they just felt so oppressed by their husbands and just by men in general at that time Mm -hmm. that they treated their slaves really nicely. But that's fucking not true. Right. I'm sure that there might be people who weren't total asshats to their slaves. But they still owned slaves. But they fucking were. still asshats. Yeah. Yeah. They fucking were, though. Yeah. There were so many sources talking about how nice these white women were. I'm sure that was probably written by a white man or a white woman. Right. No, you're still, you still own a slave. You still think that you are better than someone Mm -hmm. because of their skin color. Right. Therefore, you are trash. And there were still many, many white women who were just as awful to the slaves they had in their home as the men were. Right. There's a book written. So this like made me do a deep dive. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I was so pissed off that I kept seeing this everywhere. Yeah. Because I'm like, there's no fucking way. No. There's no way Mm-mm. no way no. there's no fucking way why and, and and why is the narrative about the what the white woman's doing right right and i was already irritated about this because there's so many there's so much shit mm-hmm. with marie delphine that is like embellished right and over the top and like yeah. these writers and there's ghost stories and yeah and, all this and these stuff. writers yeah. who have like made shit up mm-hmm. and it's just like so what's true and what's not and there was another woman who talked about these or who talked about marie delphine and she was that pissed her off too. And she found this book, and it's called. It's written by Thavolia Glimpf, and it's entitled "Out of the House of Bondage." And Thavolia speaks about how there were white women, wives of slave owners, who beat slaves, maimed slaves, yeah. tortured slaves, killed slaves. They enjoyed the power that they had over their slaves because they didn't have power anywhere else. Right. So. This was almost some kind of like fucking disgusting, horrific power trip that these white women went on. And I just thought that that was a really important detail to put in there. I know it doesn't have much to do with Marie Delphine, Mm -hmm. but I just, I had never, I myself had never thought, oh, I'm sure white women treated their slaves fine. No. I never thought about that. No. But there were so many people writing articles that said that authorities entered Marie Delphine's home after a report that she was mistreating her slaves. The authorities found slaves beaten, bloody, and malnourished, but in court, nothing upheld because no one saw anything happen. So no one saw her physically hurting the slaves that she owned, Mm -hmm. so nothing could be done about it, or nothing was done about it. Yeah. So four years later, in 1832, Louis and Marie Delphine freed their shoemaker a slave that was a shoemaker they had a fu- okay as a quote-unquote right. example to their other slaves that this can happen to them if they are quote-unquote good and quote-unquote behave mm. mm-hmm. which was a lie they never let anyone else go they were just trying to save face mm-hmm. you know because they had been investigated before yeah and they were just trying to do something quote-unquote nice it was almost like a bribe in of a way of course yeah. it was that because they're wasn't fucking gonna assholes mm-hmm It's reported that she allowed her slaves to go out and work and make their own wages, like on on loan. That's what they called it. Isn't that fucking sick? Oh, my God. Yeah. Sick. However, when they would arrive back home at nighttime, she would take their wages from them. (sighs) So they didn't even get to keep their wages. fucking cunt. (laughs) Big cunt. In 1832, she was charged once again for mistreatment. However, she paid them off, and that was that. So talk about bribes. Well, yeah, when you got money. Mm -hmm. And the people who she paid off to. Everybody's fucking disgusting. There was one story about a young black girl named Leah. I believe she was 12. She might have been a little bit older or a little bit younger. There was, like, different differences in the reporting. Mm -hmm. But she was, it said... It's reported that she was brushing Marie Delphine's hair and she accidentally pulled it a bit like there was a tangle or a snag mm-hmm. and Marie Delphine got instantly irate and chased her off of a balcony. Wait, did she go over? Yeah. She died? Yeah. Oh my God. Another reported uh. story 
So is this made up? Is this not? Is this embellished? I don't know, but it's out there. Mm -hmm. An eight-year-old girl fell or maybe jumped from a high story after being chased with a whip by Marie Delphine. But those things... And stories stem from something. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. If she wasn't like a a horrid bitch, there wouldn't be these stories about her. You know what I mean? Exactly. I'm sure that there's many other accounts of this and many other stories involving Marie Delphine, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of misconstrued information. As I said, it happened so long ago. There were a lot of writers, like I said, who wrote about mistreatment of slaves, and there are facts out there and things that were embellished because it was so long ago. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I would believe more horrific things about her than not. One thing I do know is that 20 of Marie's slaves died while in her home God. that's a f- 20 yeah 20 human lives yeah most of them were women of childbearing age and children now on april 10th the widely talked about and known about fire happened it started in the kitchen and once like you could see it right so from outside yeah you could see this fire growing and spreading and a large crowd of passerbys and neighbors gathered once it was visible People were actually running in off the street and helping grab valuables from the home. But not the people. Not the people. Wow. The valuables. There was a judge, I guess, living across the street who ran over and asked Marie Delphine and Louis to find their slaves and move them to a safe place. To which Louis replied, quote, mind your own business. God. End quote. Just horrific people. Yeah. The judge soon after ordered their door to be broken down against their wishes, and a report by the courier wrote that those who went into the home saw an incredibly grotesque sight. Mm. Slaves were found badly beaten, bruised, malnourished, scars littering their bodies from their head to their toes. (sighs) I guess I could put a little disclaimer here. I'm only going to talk about it for a minute, but these people endured it Mm -hmm. so we can talk about it and we can listen to it. They had chains on them, which bound them to each other, to the walls, to the floor, just kept them locked up. Yeah. However, that isn't even the worst of it. Seven more slaves were found to be mutilated, completely mutilated, Mm. in grotesque ways. They were suspended by their necks. Their limbs were torn. It's reported that this went on for months before this fire broke out, and they were only given enough food to barely stay alive one of the slaves had a hole in his head that had maggots protruding Mm. from his skull swarming in his brain matter no there was a woman whose limbs had been badly broken and reset in such a way that she could barely move Mm -hmm. there were people who said that she had to walk like a crab very low to the ground Mm. there was a woman and a man who had been chained together The woman's breast had been cut off of her body and sewn to the man's body. Oh, my God. And the man's genitalia was sewn onto her genitalia. What a sick fuck. Like, I don't even know what else to call her at this point. Many of the slaves that were imprisoned in this, like, torture chamber of sorts Uh had spike collars on. They were like these torturous looking devices to keep them from moving their necks around. Yeah, yeah. So... It said that one of the slaves who cooked started the fire, I believe. Okay. To try and put a fucking end to all this. Yeah, right, right. In that time period, it's not like you could just (sighs) go tell someone. Right. So once people started finding out about the condition of the slaves in the house, their home was totally fucking ransacked. It was destroyed. People ran into the home. They ruined that home down to the studs. Mm. They ripped everything off the walls. They broke everything in sight that they could touch. 
they did everything that they could to tear it to the ground. The mansion was destroyed, and even the walls were covered in slurs about the family. Damn fucking right. Well. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. It's said that some of the slaves who made it out went to the hospital, but an unknown number of them still died Mm -hmm. because their bodies couldn't handle the food and the medication. (sighs) It's also said that the bodies of slaves were found in the yard, buried, and skeletal. Would you like to know what happened to that piece of shit monster? I would love to know what happened. No, you wouldn't because it's not justice. Marie Delphine drove off in her fucking carriage and never returned to that home asshole it said that her coachman and just so you guys know coachmen are also slaves Mm -hmm. they still work for her they're still owned quote-unquote owned by her so it said that her coachman had to physically fight people off who were trying to overturn the carriage i wish they fucking would have overturned that carriage there's rumors about the fact that people killed the coachman and the horses but they don't think that's true okay marie delphine the horses the coachman they all made it to their destination which was a ship to sail marie delphine off to safety Oh. This is from the New Orleans Bee from a statement published the next day. Upon entering one of the apartments, the most appalling spectacle met their eyes. Seven slaves, more or less horribly mutilated, were seen suspended by the neck Mm. with their limbs apparently stretched and torn from one extremity to the other. These slaves were the property of the demon in the shape of a woman. They had been confined by her for several months in the situation from which they had thus providentially been rescued. They had been confined by her for seven months in this situation, and they had merely been kept alive in existence to prolong their suffering and to make them taste all that the most refined cruelty could inflict, end quote. Because if you think about it, they weren't in the shape to be able to do anything for her. Right. They had to sit there in this chamber of yeah. sorts. So the only reason suffer. for it was That's for the her only own reason. fucking morbid curiosity. Yes. They're and all- because she was a fucking cunt. That was the only reason. Yep. Marie Delphine went to Mandeville and reconnected with her family. She signed over power of attorney of her estate to her oldest daughter's husband. Louis signed his power of attorney of his estate over to another daughter's husband. And this allowed the children to manage essentially fucking everything for Marie Delphine and her husband, Louis. They were able to manage their finances, to their property, to their mail. They could do all of it. The only condition it was was that it had to be business conducted within the state of Louisiana. Okay. Delphine made zero arrangements to free any of the slaves that she owned. Why? Why even would the coachman yeah. that drove her to safety. Oh, because who gives a fuck, right? There's multiple reports now about what happened to Marie Delphine after this. <sighs> Oh, I'm so fucking annoyed with her. I'm like literally out of breath because I just fucking (laughs) hate this lady. Some people say that Marie Delphine went to New York City. Some say she and Louis went to France to be near his family. Some say she went by the name of Widow Blanc and lived very close there next to her two daughters. Aren't you fucking cool? Yeah. Widow Widow Blanc. Blanc. Shut the fuck up. It's most likely that maybe she did all of these things. Who knows? Who fucking cares? Maybe she left for a number of years and came back under an alias once things calmed down. Quote, unquote. Those... I fucking hate that. Yeah. I... I, I, Ugh. No. In October of 1935, Marie Delphine wrote a letter to one of her grandchildren. She apologized for waiting so long to write to her. She also informed her that the girl's parents, which were, you know, either her son or daughter... Mm Mm-hmm. 
neglected her as well and hadn't written to her either because no. everything's fucking about her. Yeah. Just stay gone. Just go. Don't don't fucking communicate. Go. And don't come back. Marie Delphine LaLaurie died December 7th, 1849. It's believed that she died of natural causes, but I hope it was fucking painful. Me too. And that's all I have about her. God. I don't care. There was a lot of people who went into like all of her life after this. Mm-hmm. I don't fucking care to. No. She doesn't deserve any of her, anyone's time. No. Anyone's. So, like I said, this story comes with a major, major content warning. Mm -hmm. It mentions horrific animal cruelty, child murder, extreme gore. It's awful, and it's just brutal all around. So, this is your warning. If you you feel like you're not up for it, don't. Skip to our reading, watching, listening. Yeah. Um, I actually gagged a couple times while doing this research. Did you really? Yes. All right. Are you ready? I'm re- I don't know, but I'm yeah, we <laughs> okay. we have to do it. And we have to do it. This is what we're all here for. We all know California has birthed some of the most horrific serial killers, and in fact, since 1900, over 1600 people have been murdered by one serial killer or another in oh, California God. alone. California. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing there? What uh-huh. is in the goddamn water? I don't know. Between the six, the 1960s and the 80s, serial killings more than doubled. Like, I don't know what's with that fucking time frame. And I don't know. But that's a bad fucking time yeah. frame for murderers. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck was going on over there. But in the essence of Halloween, I'm going to be telling you about another one of these fuckers today, Richard Trenton Chase. A big time fucker. Or the Vampire of Sacramento. Ugh. A real nasty dude. He was a serial killer, rapist, cannibal, necrophile, nicknamed the Vampire of Sacramento because you guessed it, he drank his victim's blood. He just checked every box. Every, you know, like every like single he was every, gonna every single box in a psych evaluation yeah, he fucking checked. Yeah, but he was just gonna outdo all of the other fuckers and be the worst. So, to dive right in, Richard Chase was born on May twenty third of nineteen fifty in Santa Clara County, California. His household was very, very strict. He had an abusive mom. His dad would beat him constantly. His parents fought constantly. He was emotionally abused. Like, just everything you can think of. A lot of abuse going on. All of the abuse. He enjoyed tormenting all kinds of animals. He liked starting fires. He wet the bed on a regular basis. And by the time he was 10, he was killing cats. Oh, God. So, clearly he was already displaying signs of, like, severe psychological issues yeah and of course he didn't know his parents didn't help him because they clearly didn't want him (laughs) care about him love him exactly and we know and we've talked about that homicidal triad before like the fires the animal torture the bedwetting and we know that not every killer or violent adult displays those behaviors as children but when they do have those things going on as a kid either all three or at least two of them, it's a pretty good indicator that they're going to grow up to be violent, homicidal, or display sexually predatory behavior. Yeah, I feel like the ones who didn't do those things, the fires, the torturing animals, the Mm -hmm. bedwetting, 
they just fly under the radar a little bit longer, Mm -hmm. you know, but that certainly doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Right. And that's the thing. Not all of them do as kids, but when they do as kids, it's like like your fucking signal. It's a ding ding, you know? Yeah. But it's kind of like a a common denominator with all of these people that we talk about. Mm -hmm. They don't get help. They're fucking ignored. Yeah. They don't, you know, they just don't have the fucking resources and this is what they turn into. Yeah. So not a great start in life for Richard. Other than all of that shit, there's not much else known about his early childhood. I mean, it, that's probably enough anyway. Right. He you didn't, know. yeah. He didn't get any better in his teenage years. He actually just kept getting worse. Shocker. Wow. Surprise, surprise. He began drinking and doing drugs, and he got in serious trouble several times, but he was just like, meh, he didn't, he didn't care. Yeah. He didn't care if it, like... There was his n- reputation or he just didn't care. There was no emotional response. Right. Which also ding, mm-hmm. ding, motherfucking ding. Yeah. That yep. is an indicator. Yep. He did have a few girlfriends in high school. I'm sorry. But <laughs> things never seemed to work out, probably because he was kind of a skeeve and also because he could not perform sexually. Now, he did end up seeing a psychiatrist about this. Everything I read said this was during high school, so I'm not sure if he, like, opened up to a counselor who referred him to someone. But, of course, that would be the thing. That yeah. he'd be like, oh, I want to go get help That's because my <laughs> dick isn't working uh, properly. Yeah, I don't... But not yeah. because I'm torturing animals. Right. Or pissing the bed. I want to fuck. Yeah. I want to be all. able to fuck. I have all and these fucking fuck. hormones flowing. I just want my dick to get hard. Uh-huh. Yep. So, either way, I don't know how it happened, but he saw a doctor, and this doctor told him that he couldn't achieve an erection because he had repressed rage or mental illness. Which, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. I feel like that is like, okay, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Right. So, I don't think this doctor knew about his childhood. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but the information and study about the homicidal triad was published at this point so maybe if the doctor knew those things right now obviously later we we know that he turns into a killer we do we know this we know that much and it makes more sense like all of this stuff going on the puzzle with this impotence makes more sense because like he couldn't get aroused or orgasm during normal sex because he needed more right he needed violence he needed torture he needed necrophilia to get hot in the crotch i'm sorry but that's just how his brain was that's just how he was Mm -hmm. So, 18 rolls around. 18 years old. Yep. And Ugh. by this age, Richard was using drugs on the daily, specifically LSD. Oh, that that's probably a big help. Yeah. <laughs> for his, yeah. Uh-huh. his it, fucking uh, issues. Yep. And he combined that with heavy, heavy drinking. He actually did okay in high school, like grade and performance wise. He did graduate, but he started to become really paranoid and delusional. Okay. He was positive that people were out to get him and that he was going to die. He started accusing his mom of attempting to poison him. He would come up with things like he thought someone had stolen his pulmonary artery. Okay. Just in the night? I I suppose. Okay. He thought his blood was turning into powder and he just knew that at any moment his heart would stop beating and he'd be dead. Okay. He just knew it. He mm-hmm. was sure of it. He couldn't get any doctor to take him seriously. So he attempted to cure himself by hunting small animals in the woods and drinking their blood. But he also found that doing that cured not only his heart problems, you know, in his mind, but it also cured his lack of a heart on. So let me just make sure I'm getting this right. So when he would slaughter an animal, he would get hard. Yeah. 
the act of the the violence turned him on. Isn't it so crazy how like mm-hmm. unfathomable that is? Yeah. So eventually his family got super fed up with all of this. They were done. His dad was like, "Fuck no, this is not what we're doing." And so he, wait, does huh. does did his parents find out that he was getting erections over this animal stuff I don't or know. just in general they, they found probably didn't think it turned him on but, but they found out they about the knew. murdering of the animals mm-hmm. okay the, gotcha. they knew what he was doing his extracurriculars yeah. yes okay yeah and his that's when they like, were like fuck no mm-hmm. yep his dad's like no and he rented an apartment for Richard what mm-hmm. so he got Richard his own apartment so he forced him out of the family home so okay I'm just double checking again okay just to make sure we're all hearing you right sure instead of helping correct the problem yep we just got rid of the problem yeah dick that's what you do mm-hmm. okay okay yeah, back, we just we just then, we don't see the problem mm-hmm. anymore yeah so this very mentally disturbed boy is on his own and this freedom allowed him to take things even further he still suffered from the delusions and paranoia and he now thought that his heart was shrinking he thought that if he let it shrink too much it would just poof disappear and he would die and there's no way that he was going to let that happen he wasn't going to stop taking his heart medication aka animal blood so he kept on hunting and killing the small animals but now instead of just drinking their blood he began to devour the animals raw oh fucking fucked up yeah he would put their guts and blood and organs in a blender with coca-cola i can't and just whip up some nice smoothies. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't. It gets I can't. so much worse than that. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. He would also just cut straight to the punch and inject rabbit's blood straight into his veins. Now, this obviously made Richard very, very sick. He was hospitalized. Like physically sick. Yes. Okay. You can't just be doing that shit. He was hospitalized. You can't fucking inject another species blood right yeah. into your, your veins. What a dumbass. And expect it to cure you. I mean, you're worse off. Yeah. Your buddy. But he's very, he's <laughs> yeah. just gone. He's yeah. not there. He's not there. I don't know if he ever truly was. Mm-mm. He was hospitalized for blood poisoning after those rabbit blood injections. But he he just escaped that hospital. He just oh, left. sounds about right. Yeah. And he went home to his mom, who, after not being able to do anything with him she had richard involuntarily committed to a psych hospital this is around 1976 now and he's in his mid-20s he would be 26 and he he didn't want to be there of course he didn't no he He didn't think he had any problems probably no he couldn't stop well and he thought that if he didn't get right he was going to die yeah he couldn't stop his compulsions, and it's said that a few times during his stay at the hospital, Richard stretched his arm out in between the bars on the window, grabbed some innocent fucking birds oh, off no. the windowsill, ripped their heads off Fuck. with his teeth, Fuck. and Fuck. drank their blood. No. Could you even fucking no, imagine I don't want to. being on staff and like seeing that bullshit go down? I would probably throw. I honestly yeah. would throw up if I saw that. And like, I want to. Yeah. Right now. Uh huh. And I don't get. I don't get queasy easy. You know that. I don't mm-hmm. like. I. Me either. I but this makes me fucking ill. Yeah. And this is still nothing compared to what happens uh, later. Yeah. But I'm checking out. The staff at the hospital started calling him Dracula. So while he was hospitalized, Richard was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, and they started him on a regimen of like a bunch of different antipsychotics. He started to show improvement because he's medicated. Right. But it was decided that Richard was no longer a threat to himself or others. Bullshit. Okay. 
So he was released to the care of his parents, and mommy, good old mommy, she said that her son did not need antipsychotics. Bitch. Nope. Bitch. You checked him into mm-hmm. a fucking psych hospital. Yep. Not her son, because she wanted to get rid of him, I'm yeah. sure. But honestly, but you not her know. son. Yeah, we don't do that stuff. So she weaned him off of all of his meds, and she put him in another apartment by himself. Richard was right back on his bullshit, killing animals, torturing them, drinking their blood. He moved on to cats and dogs, and sometimes he'd steal his neighbor's pets. No. Eat them. He would eat them, and then he would call the owners and tell them what he did. Oh, okay. Yeah. This was right around the time Richard became absolutely enamored with guns. Oh, great. Yeah. He <laughs> Let's bought, just add that yeah, right in there. Yeah, he bought several of them. After he had been to a psych hospital. Yeah. Okay. Because why not? His delusions started to get, like, run deeper and deeper and deeper. He was just getting so much worse. He started to think he was a victim of some kind of Nazi UFO conspiracy. He got really, really into the Hillside Strangler case that was going on in L.A. at the time. And he thought whoever the Strangler was, was also a victim of this Nazi UFO shit. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. He stopped taking care of himself altogether. He didn't bathe. He didn't brush his teeth. He stopped eating anything other than animal blood. And he dropped to 145 pounds. Now, he was like 5'11-ish. So 145 pounds, like it was underweight. Yeah. But he was also just sickly looking. He yeah. was malnourished, probably dehydrated. He he didn't take care of himself. He wasn't getting nutrients. He was on drugs still, just haywire. So I'm going to show you, Tori, really quick. This is Richard in high school. Okay. He looks healthy, right? Like yeah. He, he's, you wouldn't know he's that he's got a, a fantastic smile. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And then this is him. And then this is him now so it's not even that far out of high school wow and that's what he looks like and i'm gonna put the side by side in his cheeks yeah from that like beaming face to that that's so yeah horrifying Mm -hmm. and it's kind of strange because it was almost like he was like hiding it in high school a little bit right yeah because look at him but you know he he was already tortured yeah you know what i mean he was Mm -hmm. already having compulsions he was already sick he was you know yeah so it's strange and that's just how fast he went downhill yeah this gets really really bad right here this is your last warning it's gonna be like really really bad from here on out One day in 1977, Richard had an idea. He was going to go surprise his mom with a little visit. Nice, right? I don't think so. No. He went to her house. He rang the doorbell. And when his mom answered, Richard shoved a dead cat right into her face. He threw the cat's body onto the ground, got down, ripped its stomach open with his bare hands. He reached inside of the cat's body smeared the blood all over his face while just screaming. You want to know what mom did? Shut the door. Yep. She turned around calmly and shut the door. She didn't report him. She didn't hospitalize him again. Nothing. Shut the door on the problem and made it go away. She just didn't want to deal with it. No. Is what it was. What kind of mother? Mm Mm-hmm. That same year, Richard's car was found rammed into a sand drift at a reservation by Pyramid Lake, Nevada which is almost 200 miles from his home. Wow, okay. Some people from the area called in reports about seeing a man being all, like, not good, wandering around the area all willy-nilly. Inside the car, cops found two rifles, some clothes, and a bucket filled with blood and a liver. 
Oh, God. From what? I'll tell you. Oh, no. The cops finally found Richard. He was screaming and naked in the sand, just covered head to toe, soaked in blood. They were like, uh, Richard, like, whose blood you got here in this bucket and why are you covered in it? Richard said that the blood was his and it leaked out of him through his skin. Oh, okay. But it was eventually determined that it was a cow's blood and liver. Oh. Yeah. So, like, he's moving on to bigger... Yeah, bigger, bigger, bigger animals. It's like not enough for him anymore to, to do it to a fucking cat. But he was released and all he had to do was pay a fine. Oh, that's all. Yeah. So right after Christmas of that year, so it's still 1977. What a he's, year. Yeah. He's devolving. All of this happens within like a week. Like all the murders and everything. It's very, very quick, like a spree type yeah. of thing. Or like, like, a, like, like a maybe manic. like a maybe like a month more than yeah. a week. Like a manic but, episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right after Christmas, Richard decided to fire a twenty-two caliber handgun into a Sacramento woman's house. I couldn't find much about this incident. Like if he was, I, he, he was standing outside somehow. I don't know how close he was, but. He shot it into her house, and the woman wasn't hurt. The police just found the slug in her kitchen. But, like, he's he's getting real bold. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the ball's rolling. Two nights later, December 29th, 1977, Richard murdered his first victim. 51-year-old Ambrose Griffin was helping his wife carry groceries into their house. Fuck. And Richard shot him, like, drive-by style. And because of that, like, he, he wasn't caught drove by shot well, him, yeah and you have away. to remember like security cameras weren't really a thing right exactly you know? and it was just like, in a neighborhood you yeah. know they were however able to match that bullet the one that killed ambrose to the bullet found inside of the home of that woman so they knew it was likely the same suspect but he's warming up right about a month later on january 11th 1978 richard asked one of his neighbors if he could bum a cigarette and then he restrained her with force until she agreed to give him the whole pack. A few weeks later, he tried to get into another woman's house, but her door was locked. So he figured, like, he wasn't welcome there. No shit. But he, that was, like, his thing. He would just try doorknobs. Like the porch light guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And if, if it was locked, he figured, well, I'm not welcome here. And if it was unlocked, he thought he could just go you're right in. You're not welcome anywhere no. because you're an asshole. No. So he cut through that woman's yard and left. Now, like I just said, there was, like, no rhyme or reason as to how he chose his victims. So he didn't go looking for, like, specific houses with young women in them. He would just go in, and if he could get in, he did. They were opportunistic kills. They were easy targets. So Richard walked down the street after he cut after he tried that lady's house and mm-hmm. it was locked and he went through her yard. He walked down the street and he broke into the home of a young married couple. He gathered up some of their valuables. He peed into a dresser drawer full of the couple's baby's clothes. Fuck you. And then he turned around and shat on the baby's bed. Was the baby in there? No. No, the baby was not in the bed. No one was home, but they did oh, come you. home while Richard was still in their house. The husband said, fuck this shit, and he tried to fight him, but Richard got away. So, he tried more homes. He didn't have much luck with unlocked doors until he got to the home of David and Teresa Wallen. David was at work. Teresa was taking out the trash, so she left her front door unlocked. Shit. Teresa was also three months pregnant. No, 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 Yeah, this is really, really bad, guys. Richard caught Teresa by surprise inside of the house and shot her three times, once in the hand and twice in the head, with that same gun that he'd used before. 
He dragged her body into a bedroom and raped her repeatedly while stabbing her with a butcher knife. Oh, Teresa. When he decided he was done with that, he opened her body up, took out several of her organs, and collected her blood in a bucket. He took the bucket of blood into the bathroom and bathed in it. Then he went back to her body. (laughs) This is so bad. He went back to her body. He sliced off one of her nipples. Hmm and collected blood from it into a empty yogurt container. And then he drank it. That was his glass. Before he left, Richard went out into the yard. God, I hate this. He went out into the yard. He picked up a pile of dog feces, went back into the house, and stuffed it down Teresa's throat. David came home and found Teresa like that. And he ran to the neighbors. He called the cops. The first officer who arrived on the scene like later confessed that he had nightmares for months and months and months. Could you imagine not no. only having your spouse die, yeah. but find like that them mm-hmm. and it be in that manner? Yeah. The only the only thing that makes it like a little twinge better is that they die. She died instantly. Did she? Yeah. She he shot her right in the head and she died. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. I see. Mm-hmm. I was imagining her still being alive when he cut her open. No, okay. no. All Thank of that done was done post mortem. So at least she didn't have to suffer through that. This is when the local cops got in contact with Sir Robert Ressler of the FBI. He was one of the first FBI profilers, and they wanted to consult with him about, like, what the fuck kind of person could commit a murder like that. And this is what Robert and his team came up with. The FBI profile said, White male, age 25 to 27 years, thin, undernourished appearance, Residents will be extremely slovenly and unkempt, and evidence of the crime will be found at the residence. History of mental illness and will have been involved in the use of drugs. Will be a loner who does not associate with either males or females, and will probably spend a great deal of time in his own home where he lives alone, unemployed, possibly receives some form of disability money. If residing with anyone, it would be with his parents. However, this is unlikely. No prior military record, high school or college dropout, probably suffering from one or more forms of paranoid psychosis. That's pretty fucking spot on. Pretty fucking accurate. Yeah, for having nothing else to go off of besides the crime scene. Right. So the FBI also classified Richard as being a disorganized offender, meaning he didn't plan the murders. They said he was like so mentally ill that he couldn't distinguish right from wrong. Sure. He would continue to kill until he was caught. It's not like he was like stalking them and carefully planning and executing things because he didn't want to get caught because he knew it was wrong. Right. He was just, he wasn't there. He wasn't meticulous. Mm-mm. He was, wasn't no. like that at he all. He was just out of it. Seems to me like he like got these urges and then he acted. Mm-hmm. It wasn't yeah. like, oh. like You know, a lot of killers, a lot of the, like, um... The thrill is in the planning. Exactly. The planning and the watching and the following yes. and, the, and the researching, not yes. the actual, And then you it know. comes to like the climax. Right. But yeah, no, he just, and, and you could tell because he was leaving all kinds of evidence. At yeah, sure. Scenes. He didn't know or he thought like he had to. It was, just, it was a compulsion. Right. And he couldn't stop it. Not that it's okay, but. No, but that's, that's just, just the, the type facts. of killer he was. Yeah, that's the fact. Yeah. So two days after murdering Teresa, Richard bought two puppies from a neighbor, <sighs> killed them, drank their blood, and then he left them on the neighbor's front lawn. On January 27th, Richard walked into the home of 38-year-old Evelyn Miroth. This is horrific. Again, I'm sorry. 
Evelyn was babysitting her 22-month-old nephew, David. Uh. Evelyn's six-year-old little boy, Jason, was at the house, and so was a neighbor named Dan Meredith. Dan was there keeping an eye on the two little boys while Evelyn was in the bath. Richard walked in. Dan met him in the front hallway. You know, like he went to check on who the fuck just came in. And Dan was the friend? Yeah, Dan was like the neighbor who was there. He was Dan was watching the boys while Evelyn was taking a bath. So Dan met Richard in the hallway when he heard him come in. Richard shot Dan point blank in the head with his handgun, killing him. He turned Dan's body over and he took his wallet and his car keys. Six-year-old Jason ran, terrified, to his mom's room. And Richard noticed little two-year-old David shot him in the head. Oh, no. Killing him. And then he found Jason in his mom's room and shot him in the head as well. (sighs) Richard went into the bathroom where Evelyn was, and he shot her once in the head, killing her. He brought her body out and put it on her bed, sliced her neck open, and drank from it while sodomizing her repeatedly. When he was done, he stabbed her at least six times in the rectum, which caused blood to pool up into her abdomen internally. And then he cut that open, he cut her abdomen open, and drained the blood into a bucket. He drank all of her blood. All of it. Do you know how much blood is in a human body? Yeah. Because it's a lot. It gets worse, and I'm so sorry. It gets worse than that. How? When he was done with that, Richard brought little David's body into the bathroom, the Mm 22-month-old. He put him in the tub. He cracked his skull open. fuck. And he ate some of his brains. Yeah. This is when a little girl who was supposed to have a play date with Jason knocked on the door. She's fine. (sighs) Little girl is fine. But this freaked Richard out. And he fled the home. Well, if there was ever a fucking time to be paranoid. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So he fled the home in Dan Meredith's car because he had the keys. And he took David's corpse with him. Of the course baby. he fucking mm-hmm. did. What a monster. Yeah. The little girl saw this going on and she told one of the neighbors who went into the house, found the other bodies and called the police. When cops got there, they saw perfect imprints of Richard's shoes and a puddle of blood and like his entire bloody handprints. So like I said, he was leaving all sorts of evidence everywhere. Okay, so this is that really bad part and I told you about it. You guys, it's, I think it's the worst. I think it's even worse than that stuff, if it's possible. I feel like we don't say it. So he, Richard took David's body, the baby, back to his apartment it's more of that stuff it's worse it's worse you guys if you really want to know you can see it online i'm not going to say this part yeah out of respect it's a two-year-old out of respect for that baby and the family Mm -hmm. it's not fair no as much as we are a true crime podcast i you know yeah there's a there's a fucking line Uh uh-huh yeah. See, and I didn't think that at first, but then when I hear it, I'm like, yeah, yeah there's no fucking way, That's right? That's why I was asking you. I'm like, there's I don't no, know, like, man. It's, I feel like it's important. Yeah. But not, maybe, not, maybe the yeah. age. Uh-huh. It's just really fucking bad, you guys. But after he was done, he took David's body and he dumped him at a church. Of course. Oh, yeah. I fucking hate this man. Mm-hmm. This might be the worst man that we've spoken yeah. about. Uh-huh. I mean, we've talked about some really disgusting, yeah. vile pieces and of shit. And I was shit. telling you, I'm like, I, I think I messaged you a few times. I'm like, yeah. Tori, this guy's bad. Like, yeah. bad, bad. And I don't think it, like, until you hear it. No. You no, know? No. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, yeah, I know, Katie. Like, they're all fucking bad. Yeah. But, like, yeah. this guy, really. I mean, and mm-hmm. I know we've said that a few times, but this guy, he, mm-hmm. that was the fucking devil. Yep. He was the devil. Mm-hmm. If there's ever a devil, it is that man. That's him. 
So at that point, they knew all of the murders were the work of the same guy because he used the same fucking gun for everything that he did, and the crime scenes were similar and all that jazz. They assumed that David had been abducted by whoever did this. Now, if it were me, like, they saw the other little boy's body there. Right. I don't know if... I don't know if they assumed he was alive and abducted or if they assumed he was abducted and already already murdered. I don't know what they were thinking. But this was all over the news. People were scared. And his profile and all of that, it was out there. So people were on the lookout. Yeah. And five days after the... Ma- this That qualified as, as a mass murder, technically. Course, just that yeah. one house. Yeah. Five days after that, the police get a phone call from a woman named Nancy Holden. Nancy was like, I think I might know who your guy is. She had this little run-in with Richard around the time he was out, you know, brutalizing the town. She was at the town and country shopping center. She was in a store, and Richard walked up to her being all Richard, and he asked her, were you on the motorcycle when Kurt was killed? Because 10 years before this, Nancy's boyfriend Kurt was killed in a motorcycle accident. Wow. Nancy's obviously, like, taken aback. Like, who the hell are you and why are you asking me that? He says, it's me, Rick Chase. They had gone to high school together and she didn't even recognize him. Wow. No. No. No Mm -hmm. way. You saw the picture. It was like two different men. Yeah. She knew Richard, but she didn't know, like, this Richard. Yeah. He's just not the same. He's got blood all over his shirt. He's disheveled. He's emaciated. He's scary looking. So he gets distracted by something and Nancy sees this as an opportunity to get mm-hmm. the fuck out. Yeah. She leaves. Richard follows her out Ugh. and he asks her for a ride. She's like, fuck no dick. And she's able to lock her car doors and drive away. Thank God for yeah. her. So Nancy calls the cops with this story. She's like, his name is Richard Chase and he's worth looking into. Thank God she did too. Thank God she put two and two together. Because who would have you known know? how much longer this he, would have went on? He wouldn't have stopped. You know what I mean? He would not like, have stopped. Until he was caught. Yeah. Who knows how many more people he would have killed. Yeah. So they run a background check on Richard, and they see that he's got a twenty-two caliber pistol registered under his name. Of course he does. Ring-a-ding-ding. They went to Richard's apartment. They knocked and said they wanted, they wanted to talk to him, but Richard refused. So the team of cops and detectives kind of hung out in the hallway in hiding, waiting for him to come out. Sure. Richard finally emerged sometime later carrying a bloody box and oh. wearing a blood-stained coat and shoes. Okay. Okay. Act natural, Dick. Yeah, right? They arrested him on the spot. Inside Richard's apartment, they found blood all over the wallpaper, the bloody twenty-two caliber, the fucking bloody blender, just all this shit. Organs and Tupperware, pet collars. Richard's like, no, the blood's just from killing dogs. It's fine. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, but inside one of Richard's coat pockets, they found Dan Meredith's wallet that he stole. Uh, so like come on. Okay. Richard. What a dumb fuck. Yeah. Thank God though. Yeah. So he stands trial. He was up for six counts of murder and his defense team wanted to try and avoid the death penalty. They should have just tried for fucking insanity. Yeah, that's what they were. Yeah, they were trying for second degree murder, which would have been a life sentence. They were going to like drive home the the mental illness okay. and the fact that none of the murders were premeditated because they weren't. Yeah. You know what I mean? They but pro- you still yeah. murdered someone, yeah. Dick. But on May 8th, 1979, the jury found Richard guilty of six counts of first degree murder. In a clemency hearing, the judge determined that Richard was not 
legally insane, and he was sentenced to death in the gas chamber. Wow. Yeah. Not legal. I mean, I'm glad. Honestly. I, I don't. How? How? But though? how do you not see? I wonder if you just wanted him to die. I don't know. Maybe. Because, like, how could anyone how? go through a trial and not deem him yeah. clinically insane? Knowing, knowing what he, he did. All of the things, all of the facts. Yeah. Now, this was big news all around the area. All around the town. Sacramento. <laughs> but I mean, like, even inside the, the, the prison, they sure. knew. They knew exactly what he had done. They were afraid of him. And prison officials say that they regularly encouraged him to commit suicide. Really? Because they didn't want to get close enough to him to kill him themselves. Wow. Yeah. The the officials or the prisoners? The, the other inmates. Gotcha. Yeah. During several interviews with Robert Ressler, Richard told him like all of these things about how he was deathly afraid of these Nazis and UFOs. He didn't want to kill. He was forced to kill to keep himself alive. And he said that anyone would do that if they had to. I don't like... I think he really believed this. I'm not I think like, so oh, that's too. a bunch of bullshit. I, I think, think he really did. So I have, not to make this about me, but I mm-hmm. have OCD. Yeah. And it's very, 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 very bad. Yeah. And like throughout the story that as you've been talking, mm-hmm. I have found myself getting paranoid. Yeah. With me, it's more so like I feel the, these compulsions to have to flip light switches mm-hmm. a certain amount of times, touch yeah. door handles, like think things in my head three times it's yeah. the number three mm-hmm. three is the baseline four is better and five is the best you know what i mean so <laughs> yeah. it takes up a lot of time mm-hmm. in my daily routine i've recently found something that is helpful to me so if you have ocd reach out i mean i have a little trick that might help you <laughs> um but i was i was just thinking about how like when i get these compulsive thoughts I have to do these things. Yeah. I feel this overwhelming fucking awful mm-hmm. pit in my stomach feeling that if I don't do it, yeah. something very, very bad is going to happen. Yeah. So while mine are like touching things, saying things, yeah. doing well, certain also, things, like could you imagine, yeah. not not to sympathize for right. him or with him, but I can imagine. Well, because the difference is, you know, right. rationally that nothing's going to happen exactly. if you don't do that. It doesn't exactly. make a difference, but you know, he didn't know. Exactly. Like, and I tell my therapist that all the time, I'm like, like, my therapist like joke with me is mm-hmm. like you constantly are saying logically this yeah. but not thinking logically yeah that. so it's like i can differentiate between the yeah. two so richard even asked robert wrestler if he could give him a radar gun so he could use it to take down the nazi ufos and make them stand trial for the murders no bitch you did it yeah hate, uh, to, hate to break that to you mm-hmm. And at one point, he handed Robert a bunch of macaroni and cheese that he'd been keeping in his pockets because he was convinced that the prison staff was in cahoots with the Nazis and they wanted to poison him. Oh, like he's just so far gone. I know I keep saying it, but mm. it's just the truth. Yeah. So on December 28th, 1980, a prison guard was doing his rounds, checking on the inmates, and the guard found Richard lying weirdly on his bed. He went in and found that Richard wasn't breathing. He had killed himself with an overdose of prescribed antidepressants that he had saved up. Wow. Yeah. And that's the end of it. That's where it ends. It was a very short-lived spree, murder spree. He just eventually cracked. Yeah. Couldn't control anymore. And and thank God that he left all that evidence. And And honestly, thank God for Nancy. Yeah. And Nancy. Yep. (sighs) Yeah. Honestly, a hero. a hero. Because that would have fucking went on and went on and went yeah. on. 
Yep, especially back then, you know, there's no DNA testing. There's no, you know, there was none of that. nothing of, like but he what was we just have now. So far removed from reality that he he didn't even know he was leaving evidence or didn't care. You know, oh, monster, yeah. demon, yeah, demented monster, an actual demon. And it all sure. started out with mental illness, mm-hmm. like and, and abuse, always and childhood abuse. Yep. Just fucked. So sorry, guys, if that was a real big bummer, but... If you're still here... That's what you're here for. We're, we probably need a fucking mental health check-in in the group, honestly. Leave a black heart if you're doing fine. Leave a green heart if you're really not okay. We'll, we'll make a chart. Yeah. Fuck. I don't even really know how we segue from that into reading, watching, listening, yeah. honestly. But let's just do it. All right. So, Tori, what are you reading, watching, listening to? <sighs> oh, Okay. I finished Malevolent, which is the October book club pick. Haven't started it. <laughs> no. Um, and I was very pleased to see a lot of our Cruel and Unusual colon the group members have transferred yes. over into our book cult. Yes. And they're doing it with us. Mm-hmm. Or they're it's at least fun. trying. Yeah. You guys don't feel like you have to. No, you don't fucking have it's, to, it's, but it's, it's great. It's supposed to be a fun thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. But you should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a really good book. Yeah. Um. I really, really fucking loved every second of Malevolent up until mm-hmm. like the last few chapters. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of got to be a lot. Like yeah. there was a lot of like a lot of characters, a lot of backstory, a lot of yeah. like all in a very short amount well, of time. Yeah. And, and I was know like, whoa. She might be setting because it's the first in a series. Right. She might just be setting up other Yeah, but lines, it was just but... a lot of like reader. Yeah. Lash. I was like, whoa, fuck me. Now <laughs> what? Oh, ah, Cece. Oh, Clara. Oh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. But I finished it. I gave it a four-star rating. Oh, good. I'm really excited to talk about it. Yeah. In the book club. Good. In the book. Good. good. In the book cult. In the book cult. In the Zoom. Um. Also, a little titty-bitty, I finished The Housekeeper. Yes. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me because I not I won't tell you anything, um, but I'm glad that you made me keep reading it. Did you, I guess you didn't ending, make you me, no, I but didn't you definitely you. like kind of encouraged me. I think I even told you don't waste your time if you don't like it yeah i believe those were my exact words but i wasted (laughs) it no i'm just kidding i didn't because it got really good for me yeah i really started to enjoy the writing style yeah and the ending there was one time in the beginning that i thought maybe this could be an option yeah but then i did not think about it again because there were so many like little little things added in Mm -hmm. so i didn't see it coming i'm excited to hear jen talk about it jen's one of our patreons um but yeah Super, I, and actually, I gave the housekeeper five stars. Did you? I did. Ooh. I did. I really, really glad fucking you went, liked it. Yeah, I'm glad you finished it. I think, um, and I even put this in the review, I think when I was trying to start reading it, I was doing too much. Yeah, I think Not so. that I'm not doing too much now. Yeah. But I wasn't really focusing as I yeah. was reading it. I'm really glad, though, that you're getting, like, back into reading yeah. regularly. Yeah. Because I didn't read for a, a long time. No. Now I just need you to watch some shows that I'm watching so we can talk about those. Yeah. And you know, I found my love for thrillers again. Yeah. And I think it's because I started reading again. I'm glad. Yeah. It's so, the time of year, too. You just want something a little creepy, little A little creepy, spicy. You know? A little bit. Yeah. So I just looked. I'm on page 188 of 319. So yeah, like 60%. Yeah, not that much longer. Yeah. I literally read 30% when she was napping. Yeah. And I'm not fucking watching anything. But what about yeah. you? Reading, watching, well, listening? Well, I mean, still reading The Housekeeper. Yes. I'm, I want to finish it in the next few days before the thing. Watching, um, I watched the vice presidential debate. Oh, ew. We yeah. all know that I watched that swimmingly. Too. Ew. Uh, uh-uh. Fly. I'm very disappointed in myself, actually, for not watching, like, anything creepy. 
I know. I even posted in in Cruel and Unusual colon the group. Yeah. The creepy movie list, and I haven't watched any. Maybe tomorrow or Sunday I'll have some time. Yeah. I want to watch that haunt, the new haunting Bly Manor. Yes. I want to watch that. I actually just screenshot that today. Yeah. I really want to watch that. What was the other one? The Haunting of Hill House. Hill House, yeah. Uh Mm -hmm. I loved that. It was good. I'm usually not into like ghosty stuff. It just doesn't do it for me. But I have been listening to creepy shit. I binged every episode of Full Body Chills from this season. She does it like around Halloween time. Yeah. Flowers. And that's about it. All right, guys, you know the drill. You can send us an email at cruelandunusualthepod at gmail.com. Check out our Instagram at cruelandunusualthepod. I tweet at cruelunusualthepod pod you can go to cruelinkmedia.com to see our merch see our show notes see stuff about the books see our patreon wall all of that shit all of our links are there check it out www.cruelinkmedia.com hey it's been a while since <laughs> it has done been the, a while the since jingle. the jingle <laughs> come join our facebook group that is cruel and unusual colon the, the group. group i think that's it i think, I think that's, that's all we a... got it's been a long boy um Real quick, if you guys are loving the podcast, really only if you're loving it, <laughs> could you go leave a review wherever you listen? Yes, leave that, a review. I don't think we've ever asked for reviews, no. but now it's like we're getting more and more listeners, so I feel like people must enjoy it at least yeah. a little bit. We're sorely lacking in reviews, and they really help us. So. They, they, you guys, you yeah. You just take a sec. Just a, a little quickie. The quickest sec. Yeah. And you can be honest. Just leave your review. Yeah. We really, really, really want to hear from you. We want to know what you think. Yeah. And it helps us tremendously. But other than that, I think that's all until next Spooky Season Week. I think that's all. All right, guys. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.